Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today we're starting a brand new series called At the Movies. Say At the Movies. Now this is going to be an awesome series. How many here love movies? Yeah? Well, listen to this. If you love movies... This is a great series for you because there can be some great principles that will pull out of these movies. If you don't like movies, that's okay too because there'll be some great principles and things we'll bring out of the scriptures and you'll be like, cool, I don't have to go to the movie. You do not. But we did encourage you this week if you had a chance to go see the movie Solo to check it out because we'll be talking about that today. But why are we doing this series? Well, I think it's kind of a fun way that we can get together and, and we can talk about something that is relevant, something that we all love to do, and that's watch TV and movies. And what we're going to do is we're not going to go to every movie every week, but we do have specifically one, uh, The Incredibles 2, and we'll announce a time where we can all just get together, see the movie, go out afterward, maybe eat, just talk about it, and then we'll pull something from that movie on Sunday. You with me? Now, I personally really want to see Jurassic World. Can I get a witness? Okay. There you are. I didn't know if you were here today. Jurassic World. I really want to see Jurassic World, and that won't be maybe a formal thing, but I'll let you know. I want to go see that at Emacs in Novi. Has anyone been to Emacs yet? If there's a theater in heaven, it's just like Emacs. It's awesome. Lounge chairs, full layback, right? It's like you're at home. You forget where you are, right? It's okay to have fun, amen? And so I'll announce that because I definitely want to go see that. So if you want to come out with your anointed holy pastor and watch a movie, then I'll let you know when it is. Bruce, quiet down. We'll let you know when it is. Why is it that we love movies? I think we all have different reasons why. I mean, they make us laugh. They make us cry. They make us think. They move us. And I think it's because a lot of times when you watch a movie, Maybe you see yourself in that story. Or or maybe you see someone going through something and you empathize. Maybe there's a principle or something that you get out of that you never thought of, and so you start to change the way you think about people or about a situation. Sometimes I just watch movies because it's been a real chaotic week, and I just want to get away. You want to get away? And so I might want to laugh, or maybe I want to cry. Who knows? Maybe I cried enough, so I want to laugh. But whatever it is, we watch movies for entertainment, but there's something in there. The reason is, is because the Apostle Paul told us this, that in him we live and move and have our being. I believe that art is inspired by God. Now you might go, man, I've seen some movies and they are crazy. Yep, some people have some really jacked up souls, right? And so it comes out of that. But see, God is the creator of all things. So just because he's given them ideas and it goes to a warped soul and turns out warped doesn't mean it's not inspired by him. They just have to get the proper understanding. Do you follow me here? Art's beautiful. Music is beautiful. And what I've learned is I'm a musician myself, and I love music, and I go to concerts, and I love everything from worship and jazz to metal. I love everything. I go to whatever shows. I'll go see Chardet one week and Kill Switch Engage the next because I love music. But you know, all art is inspired by God. And sometimes what we do is we try to separate secular from Christian. But sometimes we got to listen through. I've heard secular musicians write lyrics where I'm going, they are prophesying right now. I mean, you listen to some of these bands and and what they're saying, they're tired of religion. They're looking for love. They're looking for something different. And you can hear their heart crying out. And maybe they have an F-bomb here or there. I understand. You don't have to listen to that stuff. I'm I'm sharing my heart. I'm okay if you want to listen to secular music. Now, there's certain things I go, you know, I don't need to listen to that. That's just, it's garbage and it's it's too much. But there's some bands where I'll listen and I'll go, man, their heart is searching for God. 
They're looking for love. They're looking for divine connection and they don't even realize it. Sometimes it comes from people who have been hurt by religion. Do you follow me? I'm not saying you have to do this. You understand? And I'm not trying to be a stumbling block. I'm just saying our hearts open to listen to others who aren't in the same box we are. Doesn't mean we have to receive everything. Because some stuff I'm like, uh, I'm not going to watch that movie. I don't need that before my eyes. I'm not going to listen to that music. I don't need that in my ears. But sometimes we can almost make it an us and them. To me, there should not be secular and Christian. I think if we're inspired as Christian musicians, we should go into the marketplace and we should preach the love of God in song. Preach the love of God in movie and art form and whatever that may be. But not down people's throats, the love of God. Do you follow me? And so I think that movies are a great art form to draw us in. And what it does, it draws on our soul and we see different things. And for me, I love movies that change my perspective. I see movies sometimes I'm like, I didn't realize they were going through that in that part of the world. They might show me the side of someone's life and what they've gone through and grown up. And I'm like, I've never seen it from that vantage point. So it helps us to empathize. It helps us to be able to sit down with people like Jesus did and get into their life and say, what makes you tick? Why are you where you are right now? And then through that relationship, through that process, we get to show them who they really are in Christ. How beautiful this relationship with God is. Do you follow me? And so that's why we're doing this series. So today, if we had a title for the talk, it would be this, Solo, Don't Walk Alone. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity we can look into the scriptures today. And we know that the scriptures were meant to point to Jesus, the word of God. Pray that we see the word of God today. We hear the word of God today. And it helps us come to another level of repentance, another level of mind change where we see things differently. And as we renew our mind, that is what transforms us. And we thank you for that transforming process that you're dealing with us on a daily level. We receive it. We trust you. We have faith that you have our best interest in mind. So have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So how many saw the movie Solo? A few of you. Look at you guys. You, I didn't even see it. I love Google, though. I could Google it and see what's going on. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've always liked the character of Han Solo. How many know who Han Solo is? Okay. Anyone ever seen Star Wars? Wow, that's crazy. That many people didn't see Star Wars? Yeah, well, that's your assignment this week. Go watch Star Wars. <laughs> But Han Solo, he's this character, and he's kind of a you love to hate, you hate to love kind of guy. But there's a reason. As you look at this backstory, first of all, Han Solo was born on the planet Corellia. And it's this world where they built ships, and it was galactic commerce. It was really the hub. Now, I'm nerding out a little bit for you folks, but it was this hub where they would fly in and out. There was commerce and trading. And in the midst of that, there was a lot of these pirates, a lot of these smugglers that would get stuff, steal stuff because of what was going on. Well, in this culture, this, this is really crazy. In this culture, the children on Corellia, a lot of them were orphans. And so as orphans, they would steal because they had to in order to survive. And so Han Solo is one of these kids. So at you know, age 8, 10, 12, whatever, he already was mastering this, this skill or this art, if you will, of stealing. Why? To survive. And so I, you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, Han Solo was an orphan. Think about that for a minute. He was an orphan. 
Well, eventually he wanted to escape the planet, so he comes up with this plan, and he bribes this imperial officer with a stolen sample of coaxium. How many are familiar with coaxium? Okay, it's a powerful hyperspace fuel. You learn something new. If you don't learn anything today at church, you can say, I learned what coaxium is. Does it help you spiritually? I think so. So this fuel, this commodity, it was, it was, you know, people really wanted this. It was desired. And so he, he stole this. He gave it to this imperial officer, and he was able to escape. Well, then he joined the imperial navy as a flight cadet. He ended up getting kicked out of that. Could you imagine that? If you're familiar with Han Solo, he got kicked out of it. But you know what's interesting? When they ask him his name, the recruiter asks him his name, he says, Han. And then he asks him, what's your surname or your last name? And he said, I don't have one. And the recruiter gave him a name. He says, we'll call you Solo. You know, the word Solo means on your own, by yourself. So literally at that moment, that recruiter, without realizing it, put an identity on Han. Han, you're alone. Han, you have no identity. You don't know who you are. You don't know who your family is. What an interesting story. And so we see Han, if you're, if you're familiar at all with, with who he was, he was a loner. He was on his own. He eventually does join up with a quote-unquote family, but they end up being smugglers. He eventually joins up with Chewbacca, who also had no family, and they become really close like family, right? But, but we know this, that, that Solo had issues. We're familiar with his, his greediness, his untrusting of people. It was all about him. If you watch Star Wars, it's funny because he wasn't helping Luke and Princess Leia because he really loved them and he really felt part of the program. He wanted money. The whole time he's like, you know, I sure hope you got some money, Princess. I hope this works out, Princess. And he wasn't saying it in a, you know, a nice way. His whole skill in life had been honed to steal, to take, and this is who he was. Why? I believe it's because he had no identity. He didn't know who he really was. But what really sticks out to me about the character is the fact that he was an orphan. He didn't know who he was. Now, as we think about this idea of orphans, this term orphans or the fatherless is mentioned dozens of times in the Bible. All through scripture, you can see it mentioned. And I believe that the Bible is inspired by God. Amen? And so why is it that the, the term orphans or fatherless is mentioned so many times in the Bible? God's very specific. He says to help, to rescue, to defend, to feed, and to shelter the orphan. He talks about orphans and widows. Why? These are people without family. God's heart. And this is even why, why, why Jesus came on the scene. Part of what he did is he wanted to introduce us to the heavenly father. Remember his prayer to the disciples? How did it start out? Our Father, who art in heaven. Why? He was trying to introduce us to something different. Now, to Jewish minds, this was like, Father, wait, wait, wait a minute. This, this doesn't line up. Heresy, blasphemy. But Jesus was trying to show us who the Father really was, who God really was, and that he was a Father. So, you know, God says to help, rescue, defend, and feed the orphans. He specifically says to not take advantage of them. To not take what is theirs. Do not deny them their needs. Do not oppress them. Listen to this. How many are familiar with the tithe? Have you heard of the tithe? People are like, yeah, 10%. Well, technically, it's more like between 23 and 30%. But the tithe would be brought in, and it was for the priests in the temple, right? Do you know that the portion of the tithe was also set aside to help the orphans and the widows? So let me ask you a question. Do you think it was important to God that the orphans were taken care of? Do you think it's important to God 
that no one feels fatherless or parentless? You think it's important to God that everyone feels as if they have real family? This is what we see. This is a great theme of the Bible. Take care of the orphans. The Apostle Paul continues that. Take care of the orphans. James talks about the pure, undefiled religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans. Why? Because everyone should have family. No one should be left out. That's really, look at the ministry of Jesus. When the religious establishment said, you don't belong, you can't worship with us, where did Jesus go? To the outcast. You don't have a place. You don't have a family. You're not welcome. Jesus said, no, you have a place. You have a family, and you are welcome at my table anytime. Jesus sat down and ate with sinners. Some of us don't understand that. In this time of history, to sit down with somebody and have a meal, you were saying, I accept you. You're okay. Breaking the bread was covenant. It was saying, you are with me. I'm with you. Isn't that beautiful? And so that was the heart of Jesus, and we can see the heart of God, that orphans matter to God. Now, we look in John chapter 14, the apostle John penned these words in 14 verse 16, and this is Jesus. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Now, look at this. Jesus, it was so important to him that people did not feel like they did not have place in the kingdom that knowing he would have to go, he said, I am sending you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Who is it? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now, why is it the world can't receive? Doesn't mean it's not available, but we only receive what we believe. So how many, at one point in your life, you didn't know that all this was available to you. You didn't know that you were part of a family and just didn't know it. You thought you were an orphan. Uh, Paul deals with us all the time. He, he says that we're all God's offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. Like literally we are his offspring, but for a lot of people we don't know it. So what do you do if you don't know you have a family? You live as an orphan. And so it's this constant thing in the gospel of saying, nope, you've been reconciled. You've been brought into favor with God. He is your father, but will you accept it? Will you receive it? So he's saying some cannot receive because it's neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. Now look at this. It gets prophetic and will be in you. Now before the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit was with us, but not in us. And this is what's beautiful in the new covenant. We now have God in here. He lives with us. And Jesus made a promise, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I know I say that every single week, but until you get it, I'm going to keep saying it. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. You are the house of God. And you say, well, I'm a dirty place, how can he live? No, no, no. He doesn't live in dirty places. He doesn't see you as dirty. He sees you as righteous and right standing. He sees you as his home. Do you get this? So he doesn't leave based on how clean you are. Did you clean your house? Mm, Got to go. Nope, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now, do we want to see actions change? Do we want to see thoughts change? Absolutely, I know I do. I'll come across things in my life and go, ooh, that kind of rubs against the grain of who I really am. Well, it does, because we're created differently. So it's awakening to this new purpose that we have, this, this blueprint that's really always been there. It says, for he dwells with you and will be in you, but look at this, he says, I will not leave you orphans. Man, this is beautiful. I will not leave you orphans. And he says, 
I will come to you. Now, can you see the heart of Jesus here? How many know if, if it's Jesus' heart, it's God's heart? So we see the heart of Jesus here, and he's saying, I will not leave you orphans. In other words, I will not leave you in this mentality that you don't have a place in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit will always be there to convince you of who you really are. You follow me? And he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This word come to you in the Greek means to be established, to be known. Listen to this. To be face to face with you. I want us to take a journey back several thousand years ago to the creation story. And here we are, we have the Trinity. How many are familiar with God? He's, he's a Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He always was, right? And so here they are together in this loving relationship. In Genesis, the Hebrew actually talks about them being face-to-face in love relationship. So in the midst of this face-to-face love relationship, they say, let's create man. Do you know where man was created? In the very center of that loving relationship. Now, just because Adam was deceived and started to change his mind about who God was and what he was about, it never changed God's heart towards humanity. According to God, you're always the center of this love relationship. And we're all around you. You can go wherever you want. In your mind, you can think, you know what? God's not with me. He doesn't care. He doesn't have my best interest in mind. He doesn't want me to know like he knows. He's holding out on me. This was, right? This is what happened to Adam. Even though we think that the blueprint never changed, God's heart never changed. In fact, God never separated from man. Think about it. After the fall, did God go away to a place far, far away? To, ooh, let's do this. A galaxy far, far away? Kind of fits in, right? No, it says he came down in the cool of the evening like he always did to have relationship and he couldn't find Adam. It wasn't because he really couldn't see him. He says, Adam, where are you? Even in the midst of that fall, what happens? God comes to them. Paul tells us this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the what? Glory of God. Do you know what that word glory means in the Greek? It means one's opinion. We've fallen short of God's opinion of us. What's his opinion of you? You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. You have purpose. There's a blueprint on your life. You just have to awaken to it. Changes it up, right? Why do we sin? Why do we fall into these things? Because we don't know who we are, and then we fall short of his opinion of us. No, my opinion of you is so much better, but it takes time for us to have the same opinion of ourselves that God does. Why? Because we walk around as if we're orphans and don't realize that we are God's offspring. Do you see why this orphan mentality is so important? It's so important that we see like God sees. We have his same opinion of us that he has of us. But how many know it's a journey? It takes time. It's a daily thing where we go, okay, God, how do you see me? Because I'm looking in the mirror right now, and I'm not seeing that perfection that you're calling me. I'm not seeing that holiness, that set-apartness, that other that you've called me to be. Why is it? And he'll simply say, it's because you just don't know it yet. But let's grow in those areas. Let's do this together. I'm your father. So it's about being established, to be known, to be face-to-face with you. I went to a conference, there's a yearly conference that Bishop Jamie Engelhardt has, and the keynote speaker this, this last fall was Tony Fitzgerald. 
And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about some things he said. One thing he said was this. He says, we are a church full of orphans being led by orphans. Now, was he putting the church down? No. He was trying to say that one of the biggest problems with this world, including the church, is that we don't see God as our Father. We can pray prayers, Heavenly Father, Father God, Father God. Father. You ever heard someone pray and they say Father like 25 times? We thank you, Father and Father, with the thing and the Father and the Father and Father, Father. You're like, whoa. But you know, you can say it a hundred times, Father, 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 and not realize that that word actually means in the Greek, source. Your source of everything. And for some of us, we can pray those prayers, but we don't see him as a father. We see him as an angry God. He's mad. He's upset. We can never get it right. Do you know why it is that you keep falling into those addictions and those things in your life? Because you don't see yourself for who you really are. Once we do, we start to rise above that and say, that is not who I am. So I choose by an act of my will to forgive myself, to forgive that person, to forgive God in this situation. And as I do, guess what? Now you can pull yourself out of that with his help and see yourself for who you really are. And once you do, you will walk totally different. How many have experienced this in life? This has been my experience. Instead of me trying so hard to pull myself up by my bootstraps, to try to do the right thing, when I said, God, I'm just going to allow you to love me, I'm just going to focus on you and your grace. It's sufficient for me. I'm going to start to say things about myself that you say about me, even when I don't feel like that's who I am. And what happens is a slow process of one month and two months and six months and 12 months. You'll look back and go, I've changed almost effortlessly. Why? Because we're allowing him to grow us up. We're allowing the fruit of the spirit to grow. The Bible tells us that nothing grows except for God. When we try to grow our own fruit, I call it frankenfruit. It's not the fruit of spirit. It's our own, okay, we're love, joy, peace, faith. Okay, we're, we're going to work on love. Well, that's great. Great intentions. But why don't you let love work on you? All of a sudden, you become a better lover of people. That's how it works. I know it seems so simple sometimes, but this is the truth of how it works. And he says, we are a church full of orphans being led by orphans. Not a put down. It's just, where is our mindset? Think about this if we were a church of sons. By the way, sons is just a, a term in the Bible. It means men, women, everyone. What if a church was full of sons being led by sons? Wouldn't it be amazing? The problem is we're people who have lost our identity. We lost the blueprint for our lives and the Holy Spirit is trying to show us who we really are. We are sons and daughters, but we're living as orphans. We've thought ourselves, you know, wretched and depraved and enemies of God, but Jesus came to show us the love and friendship that God has always had towards us. I say this a lot, but it's the truth. I want us to get it. Jesus didn't show up on this planet to change God's mind about us he came to change our minds about God. Big difference. He didn't show up on this planet to change God's mind about, God, God, look at, they're okay, man. Just, just trust me, okay? No, he came down to say, God's really good. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's not looking to strike you down as soon as he can. He wants relationship with you. And then he said, so call him father. And again, the Jewish minds were like, tilt, <laughs> father, what is this? But he's our source, amen? So what happens when we start to realize who God really is? In turn, this changes our mind about ourselves. 
changes their mind about others. You know, Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. He said to love your neighbor as yourself. I think it's interesting he says that. You know, a lot of us don't love ourselves. We can't get past that point. We can't forgive ourselves. We, we can't truly love ourselves. If you can't love yourself, how can you love your neighbor? Anyone ever have that nasty neighbor? And you talk about them behind their back? Oh, I'm just... But that nasty neighbor, because you're like, what is their problem? You know, the, the more that I get into this and realize how, how deep the soul is, when you have a warped soul, you're going to act warped. And so I've, I've learned how to empathize a little more with people. Now, I'm not saying that people don't tick me off. People tick me off, and I have to go, Holy Spirit, help me right now, because I want to lay hands on them suddenly. That's in the Bible. But help me, Holy Spirit, to see why is it... Listen, people aren't grumpy, mean, and angry because they woke up one day and said... I just want to be angry. I want to be grumpy. I want to be mean. Things have happened. And whenever that happens, that, that trigger, there's something in their soul. And so the Holy Spirit's trying to bring us around to this point. But in order to love our neighbor, we have to love ourselves. Amen? So here's the big question. Whose am I? Who am I? And to whom am I joined? Did you get that? Whose am I? Who am I and to who am I joined? Who is my family? That's something we need to ask ourselves today as we look at this idea of being an orphan. And really, it comes down to this. Don't walk alone. As human beings, we were not created to do life on our own. Now, I'm melancholy, if you're familiar with the four main personalities. Uh, me and Kay get this. We like alone time, right? But there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Some people want to be lonely, lone wolves. Yeah, I can do life on my own, but that's not how it works, folks. And when that happens, that will jack up your soul. And eventually, you'll be that person that we're talking about, right? And we don't want to be that person. So having some alone time is different than being lonely. But we don't walk alone. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 23, he says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. How many know that the, the law was, there was a purpose for the law? And so last week we talked about it. If you haven't had a chance, get on the website, go to the podcast. We talked about uh, communion and those elements and, and how Jesus reversed the system of sacrifice. And so we talk a lot about uh, the sacrificial system in Leviticus and how the people, they really needed and wanted this because sacrifice was something that every culture dealt with and they wanted to be like every culture. And so God said, okay, that's fine, we'll do sacrifice, but this is how we'll do it because I want you to know that I'm going to draw near to you, I'll be close to you. Well, in the midst of this, he also gave them the law. Now, sometimes we see the Ten Commandments, and on one side we're like, man, the law doesn't matter. On the other side we're like, no, you got to live by the law. If you break the law down, it's really broke down into two sections. The first four are just showing us that if we put God first place in our focus, in our mind, if we seek him first as our creator, that's going to help us in life. And the last six are dealing with living justly. All God was doing is saying, listen, here's the picture of being the right human. This is, this is operating right as a human. Put me first in your life, because I already am, whether you know it or not. I'm your creator. I'm your father. But also live justly. And Israel never got it, did they? So in this, he's saying, we were kept under the guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Verse 24, therefore the law was our tutor or schoolmaster to bring us to who? Bring us to Christ. Look at this, that we might be justified by faith. Now this is beautiful right here. 
This whole idea of being justified by faith. Francois de Troyes, um, he, he's the author of the Mirror Bible, he puts it like this. The law was acting just like a slave appointed to the guardian of his master's children until they would be of age to go to the proper school of Christ, listen to this, to find in faith their righteousness or right relationship revealed and endorsed. The whole point of the law was to bring us to a place where we go, you know what, I don't even need the law anymore because now I realize my right standing relationship, it's been revealed and endorsed and this is who I really am. Because I'm telling you folks, in the new covenant, where is the law of love? It's in our heart. It literally says it's sown into our heart. The law of love is sown into our heart. That's how we function now in life. We don't need 10 commandments to tell us if we're following our heart. Now, some people go, oh, you got a dirty heart, man. You can't follow your heart. The heart is wicked. My heart isn't because God gave me a new one. So we need to awaken to that and go, oh, okay, I guess I don't have a dirty heart. I've heard people say that don't trust your heart. I do because the spirit of God lives within me. Listen, my heart will tell me if I'm doing something wrong, my heart goes, uh-uh, not the right way. You're going against the grain of who you are. Maybe somebody need to hear that today. Trust your heart. I'm going to tell about your emotion. Don't trust your emotions all the time. Don't trust crazy thinking, but trust your heart. Trust the spirit of God within you, amen? You find in faith your righteousness revealed and endorsed. So he goes on here in verse 25, but after faith has come, look at this, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God. Say all. Sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at it, it's provided. But until you have faith in the finished work of Christ, you can't walk in it. Right? As believers, those who believe, our whole life here, other than, first off, relationship with God, right? I mean, that's first and foremost. It's not working for him. Our work comes out of our love relationship. Can I get an amen? But when we present the gospel, it's not going to people with a list. It's not going to people and say, Hey, I need to try to change you. It's saying God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It's a done deal. Do you believe it? Because you don't walk in anything unless you believe it, right? So he's saying, will you believe this? Will you walk in this? Will you see who you truly are? So he says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ... Now look at this, this is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are what? All one in Christ. Man, I absolutely love the fact that Jesus came to share a message of all. There's no more us and them. Whenever Jesus got upset and ticked off, it was always with the religious system. And, and not, even, not even the people. I mean, listen, Jesus loves all people. God loves all people. But that system of religion. I mean, we've, I think we've done that with Christianity. We've made it into a religion. It's funny. I was telling someone this other day. I think if Jesus were to come back on the scene, he'd go, wait a minute. You mean to tell me you started a religion in my name? I, I came to change that. Got quiet for a minute. But I'm a religious person. I get it. I know what you're saying when you say that, okay? But life isn't about ritual and have-tos and got-tos. It's about relationship and get-tos and want-tos. 
And the want to comes when you realize how good your father is. It's like with my kids, you know, if I'm spending time with them and I'm ministering to their needs and I'm listening to them and, and loving on them, when I say, hey, will you take out the garbage? The response is like, yeah, dad, sure. Why? Because they trust me. We have a relationship. They're like, we're in this together. We're family. Sometimes we can make our kids, I've done this, make them feel like they're orphans. Because daddy's busy, I got stuff to do. You're bothering me right now. Oh, but would you go take care of this stuff for me? And then we put God into that box. Like he just needed some minions to do his bidding. So he's like, well, I'll send Jesus and I'll kill him so I can be okay with you. And all right, now let's get to work because I got stuff for you to do. What? How belittling to the cross and the resurrection and the calling that we have on our life. See, we operate out of this love relationship we have for God. Amen. So he's saying there's no more us than them. And then he says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Who's the promise? Jesus. Bruce knows. Bruce knows everything. The promise is Jesus. Sometimes we go, oh, the, pro- oh, the promised land, it was Canaan. That was just a picture of Jesus. A land flowing with milk and honey. Products that never dry up or go bad. In Jesus, nothing dries up or ever goes bad. And so he's our promise. And it says we're heirs to the promise. To quote Tony Fitzgerald again, he says hirelings, those living like orphans. Remember uh, Han Solo? He was a hireling. So he did what he did because he wanted to get something out of it. He says hirelings are in it for the blessing. What you got for me? Look at this. Sons are in it for the inheritance. Completely different. We look at this finished work of Christ, we look at the gospel, and we say, man, this is so good. This, this needs to be passed on from generation to generation to generation. People need to know that God is their father, that he loves them, and he desires relationship. I love that song, Reckless Love, because what it's saying is God's love is so reckless, it's so big, it's so undiluted, it's so unconditional. He pursues you and pursues you and pursues you, and it's his love that works on you. See, this took a load off me when I, you know, I used to think that evangelism was, okay, I've got, my, I've got my scriptures in order, I've got my speech down, good intentions, okay? I've got I, I to get people saved. You don't get people saved, Andrew. Holy Spirit does. So we just present the good news of God's love. He's reconciled you. You have favor with God. This is who you truly are. You just didn't know it. You're not an orphan. You're part of the family. And suddenly people at some point go, wow, I think I believe that. And then they walk into it. I say it often. It's, I think the salvation prayer is great, but there's no salvation prayers in all of Acts. It's people hearing the gospel. God loves you. He's reconciled you. We're all his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. I used to struggle with him. I'm like, what do you mean? How can that happen? Because it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and everything that came into being or existence is through him. Do you know you and I being here, breathing, uh, eating, moving, swimming, sunbathing, whatever we're doing, it's only because of Christ in you. He animates you because it's his spirit that animates everything in the universe. But a lot of people walk around and they do their own thing because they walk around as orphans and they don't realize that God has already done a perfect work in their life. They have to awaken to it. The word says to awaken to your righteousness. 
In fact, Jesus, whenever he took, remember the, the little girl that had died? And he goes, no, 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 she's not dead. She's just sleeping right now. Think about this for a minute. Jesus talks about death as sleep. It said that Adam died. He went to sleep. He didn't realize who he was anymore. What's the gospel do? It awakens us to righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It's, it's a big, I know, church word. It means right relationship. The gospel awakens us to the fact that we have right relationship. We just didn't know it. See, we're preaching against your actions. Stop doing that. You're a sinner. You're evil. You're wretched. God wants to strike you down. You need to turn to God. You need to repent, which means grovel on the ground and say you're sorry over and over and over, when really repentance is changing your mind about who you are and saying, wait a minute. The reason I'm acting this way is because I think I'm an orphan. I don't realize that I'm part of who God is. And so then we come to the other side and we awaken to our right relationship and we go, the blueprint never changed. This is beautiful. God never gave up on me. I've talked to atheists and you know they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, well, I don't believe in God. The best response to that is, well, tell me about this God you don't believe in. And usually, right? And usually they say stuff like, well, he's just, he's angry. He's unloving. He doesn't care about us. He just let us be. If it's true, he just, he's looking for a way to just burn us all up. He doesn't care. He's retributive. And here's my response. I'm like, oh, wow. If that's the God you're talking about, I'm an atheist to him too. And then I say, do you believe in love? Oh, yeah. I believe in love. Well, how do you know? Are you, are, you a, are you a dad? Are you a mom? Oh, yeah. Oh, so you have kids. Describe what love is between you and them. Oh, man. I'd give my life for them. I'd give my entire being for that person, for my son, for my daughter. I'm like, wow. See, that's the God that I serve. He's love. In fact, he did give himself for me. Some people have not heard the gospel, folks. I think it would change things a lot if we would build relationship with people, accept them where they are, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us the love that he has for them personally, for their families. You follow me? It changes things, amen? So the promise is Jesus. Paul says, he goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. In this time, if you were a Gentile, that was anybody outside of the Jewish camp, anyone outside of Judaism, he's saying, now, if you're Gentile, if you're anyone else, he says, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. Look at this. You are citizens along with, there it is again, what is it? All of God's holy people. Do you see a theme here in the gospel? I mean, it's, it's rocking my world. I mean, when I walk around now, I see people as, wow, they're brother. I, I call everybody brother. I have a friend of mine, uh, he works at the chamber, and it's funny, every time I text, I go, what's up, brother? And he says, every time you do that, I think of Hulk Hogan. And I went, what? He goes, it's like you going, what's up, brother? <laughs> and I just had to crack up. So immediately, I love gifs and emojis and all that stuff. Immediately, I sent a Hulk Hogan going, oh, you know, like this, brother. But he hears it every time. I call everyone brother. I just see people as brothers and sisters, and some of them just don't know it yet. I'm like, hey, listen. And you know what's cool? I have another friend who two years ago was an atheist. About a year ago, he's agnostic. 
And then the last time we talked, it actually felt like the Holy Spirit leading me to just share a little bit of the good news. And he went, I've never heard it like that. I need to think about this. Two years of relationship. Sometimes it takes time. But that's what we do. We just love people where they are. And it takes that pressure off. But he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. And look at this. You are members of God's family. To everyone sitting here today, I want to say, welcome to the family. This is your family. Let me say this. Don't walk alone. We can't do life alone. I just want to go over three quick points as we come to a closing here today. Number one is this. You have a father. You may not know that. You, You may wonder. You may say, I don't physically have a father. We have a bad relationship. I never knew who he was. But you have a father. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, Yet for us there is but one God, comma, the Father. Say that with me. The Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Number two, you are a part of this family. Maybe you don't feel that way, but I I want you to know you are part of this family. Now, this is a tough one because some people go, yeah, but I've I've been to churches. I get it. And I'm not even saying that we're the perfect church. I've had to sit down with people because, like, someone came in and they're going through something and someone else judged them and all this stuff was going on. I had to sit down and go, whoa, 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 what what are we doing here? (laughs) Uh, We need to receive people with all their junk and all their garbage and all their stuff so that then they can get healed. And we're not the ones that heal them. It's the spirit of God. So why don't we let that spirit of love and grace flow through us so some healing can come, right? So let me promise you right now, you might get ticked off sometimes here. You might have someone take advantage of you. Stuff happens. And people say things, but it doesn't mean that I always believe what they say. Does that make sense? So if you have an issue with someone, come to me and say, Pastor, you know, um, I'm going through this thing, and they said that I'm not welcome here, and, and what do you feel on that? Let me give you the answer, because I'm responsible for this house, okay? And I don't always say it right and do it right either. You're going to have to forgive me sometimes, and vice versa. But what I'm saying is, despite all that stuff, how many have family, just any family that just, when you go to the family reunion, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, Mmm. But does that mean that you aren't part of the family? No. So go eat a burger and just bite your tongue, right? Because they're family. We don't kick them out of the family. Number two, you are part of this family. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, I love this because some people are, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm like, where's the love, right? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, that's talking about us, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Do you notice how the foundation of everything is love? Let me give you a clue. Before you say something to somebody, think, does this sound loving? Now, loving things can be hard, right? Right? I also say this to people that you should have a relationship with somebody and they should know who you are before you go pointing fingers. Because I have guys that I have a relationship with that 
if I were to see something in their life, they know my heart. They know I love them. I have their best interest in mind. I care for them. So when I come to them, when I say the hard stuff, it's in love. And they're like, all right, I don't like what I'm hearing, <laughs> but I receive it because I know your heart. Big difference. If you don't know somebody, maybe don't find someone who knows them. <laughs> But let the Holy Spirit, does that make sense? I'm not saying we just allow stuff to go on and happen. I mean, as a pastor, there's times where I have to just put my foot down and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is hurting members of the body. You need to chill, bro. You might need to find another place because you're not here to hook up with the chicks. You know, there's stuff I have to do sometimes as a pastor behind the scenes, right? But sometimes it's like, if it's not really hurting anybody, let's just go with the flow and let the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know my heart? Do you get my heart? Yeah. We want people to feel like family. Number three. Final point today, you are backed by this tribe. Someone needs to hear that, you are backed by this tribe. Some people here today, I think, if we're not careful, we get into this idea that I have to perform or be at a certain level to be okay and to be received. But I want to tell you something. If you're struggling, if you're going through things, I encourage you to find people you can trust and let them know what's going on in your life. We got your back. We do. We may not have all the answers all the time, but we got your back. We can pray with you. We can be there for you. We can cry with you. We can laugh with you, whatever it takes, but we're here for you. Don't hide in the corner and just try to do it on your own. Find someone you can trust. Why? Because you are backed by this tribe. I love this in Romans 12:10. It says, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love it says, give preference to one another in honor. This could be translated, esteem one another's unique value. Those are beautiful words, aren't they? So maybe there's a question to ask. Am I esteeming another one's unique value? Am I seeing value in their life? Because it's so easy. I catch myself sometimes, man. I can just be out and about and I see someone and immediately you go to those old thoughts, maybe those old prejudice on something or, you know, oh, maybe they should do this or that or maybe they, and, and I, I go, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. That's that old thinking. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're renewing my mind. Listen, we all have those dark the secrets, those skeletons in our closet. But just let the Holy Spirit work through that and bring that change, bring that repentance, that change of mind so you start to see him differently, yourself differently, and others differently. And it's an awesome process if we allow him to flow through our lives. So really it comes down to this. Do you know whose you are? Do you know who you are and to whom you are joined? Do you know that you have a father who loves you? A father who does have your best interest in mind? A father who sees those things that you don't even like about yourself and says, you know what, I see better. I see who you really are. And it's through that relationship we begin to own the identity that we already have in him. Does that make sense? And then it's important that we surround ourselves. We understand to whom we are joined. Join with people of like faith. I'm not saying you can't sit down with someone who, who is maybe opposite in some ideas and theology. I do it all the time. I think Christians should do a better job of sitting down at the table and at the end even agreeing to disagree, but saying we're still brothers and sisters, it's okay, instead of, uh, yeah, I'm unfriending you on Facebook. What, why? Because you don't believe like me. What is that? It's important, isn't it? 
I believe knowing the answer to this will change everything, especially the way you walk. Don't walk alone. Will you pray with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just a moment there to think to ourselves. I want to ask us this question. Are you living like an orphan? Now think about these things. I want to read a few things that an orphan does or says or acts like. And if any of these, you hear them and you go, wow, I identify myself in that. Let's, let, let's allow the Holy Spirit to trade out that lie for truth today. Orphans have to take care of themselves. Orphans must be strong. Orphans must protect themselves from being taken advantage of. Orphans cannot depend on anyone. Orphans cannot be weak. Orphans crave to be taken into love but doubt they ever will be. Orphans want to be accepted. They want to belong. Orphans only trust themselves. Orphans cannot get too close because orphans are on the outside looking in. If any of those things identified with you today, I want you to, I want you to see something. That is not your identity. You're sons and daughters of God. He cares for you. He desires intimate relationship with you, but he will never push you farther than you want to go. It's up to us to say, here I am, Father. I'm an open book. Read me. You know what he's going to read? He's going to read those good gifts that he's put in you. He's going to read the fruit of the Spirit that he's put in you. He's going to read those good works that he's already prepared in advance so you should walk in them, so that you will walk in them. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for today. I, I just pray that our minds were changed about who we are, that maybe we're a little bit closer to the idea that we're sons and daughters. We're no longer orphans in our minds. We're no longer enemies of God in our minds. We now receive the truth. We believe it and receive it, and now we choose to walk in that. Even if everything within us says, no, you're not a son, you're not a daughter, we choose to say, yes, we are, because that's who God has called me to be every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you never made a decision to follow Jesus, it's real simple. It's believing that God loved you so much that he provided a way for relationship, that he reconciled the world to himself through Christ, and now he's saying it's a finished work. Will you believe and receive sonship into the family of God? You're here this morning and say, I, I, want, I want this. I, I want to pursue this. I, I want to start walking this blueprint that God has already prepared in advance for me. Just quickly raise your hand. I believe when you raise your hand, it's just simply an outward response to an inward happening, a process where we're saying, yes, I believe. I thank you for every person here this morning, Heavenly Father. Those who chose today and those who have chosen in the past to follow you, to awaken to their righteousness, to their standing with you. I thank you now that you, Holy Spirit, are with them. You're leading them through this life, helping them to make better decisions, making our lives better in the process. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, 
We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.